Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. sins are forgiven and they are not held against you anymore. I feel like someone today you have a a scorecard that you're keeping. I saw this thing yesterday about that love doesn't keep a record of wrongs and so if you have a scorecard of wrongs that you're holding against someone You need to let it go and enter the new year in a loving way without keeping a record of wrongs. And that's good for all of us to examine and to look at and see whether we're holding on to something or a grudge. But I feel like this person's scorecard, you're keeping it against yourself. You're keeping a record of your wrongs. And God wants you to rip that scorecard up. Because when he looks at you, He sees Jesus. He sees perfection. He sees holiness. If you have been washed by the blood of the Lamb, if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, you are clean. You are whole. You are made new. Nothing can take you out of the hands or the love of God. Your sins are not held against you. They were paid for by Jesus' sacrifice. It's done. It's over with. Anytime that thought comes up, you need to rip up that scorecard again because the Savior is looking at you with love and nothing else. There's no disappointment. There's no shame. There's no shaking of the head or, you know, well, maybe next time you'll get it right, kid. There's none of that. So rip up that scorecard. If God does not hold it against you, then you cannot hold it against yourself. Thank you, Lord, that you are our king, you are our authority, you are our protection, our shield, and you are also our shepherd. You lovingly guide and take care of us. None of our needs are too small to go noticed by you. You know every detail of our lives, of our minds, of our hearts, of the story of our lives, and you care about all of those details. Just ask that we would remember, that you would help us to remember that as we go about our lives, as we leave this building. That you're right there. That you are both all-powerful and all-knowing, and you're ever-present. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 65.11 says, You crown the year with your goodness. Your carts overflow with plenty. It's a great, great New Year's scripture, isn't it? Just to kind of meditate on. But I wonder 
If you did a year in review of 2018, what would your theme be for 2018? What would your theme be? What kind of stuff was 2018 full of? I'm going to use that word stuff a lot today, and I got an acronym for it. Stuff means sad, tragic, ugly, fears, and failures. Sad, tragic, ugly, fears, and failures. I'm going to use that a lot, so just kind of keep that in your mind as I, I say stuff from time to time. So what kind of stuff was 2018 full of? When I think about a new year, new years really don't seem that new to me. Because so much overlaps from the last year. So much stuff overlaps from the year before. So it doesn't sometimes seem very new to me personally. Not, not really in a bad way. It just doesn't seem very new because so much stuff is still going on. It's not like when we flip the calendar, everything's different. <laughs> the New Year's doesn't even have any good songs. Not like Christmas, you know. We've got great songs on Christmas. We've got old anxiety, whatever it means, old hanging sign. That's what it means. <laughs> or something like that. Or, you know, whatever it means. That's the only song we got for New Year's. It's always weird for us, I think, as, you know, we make resolutions and we don't keep them. Uh, or, we, or we try to keep them and maybe we keep a few. It's, it's weird. Nothing, nothing really changes just because the calendar flips. Really. Because we're still walking through stuff. Stuff is still hanging on us. I have this spiritual practice, I think I've mentioned this before, that every year I, I pray and I muse and I, and I meditate on, on what my theme is, what God wants my theme to be for the, for, the, for the new year. It's really good. I've been doing it for years. Last year, for 2018, um, it was really unique. But sometimes it's just a word, sometimes it's a phrase that God gives me. Sometimes it happens out of the blue. Sometimes when I'm in the shower. Sometimes it just, it, I just get these. I said, this is going to be my theme for this year. And last year, uh, it was three words. It was focus, fierce, and fight. And God was telling me that I needed to be focused because the fight was going to be fierce. In 2018, yeah, for me, it was fierce on so many levels. And amazing, these themes seem to overlap too. So I want to I want to share what God gave me for my theme, my personal theme for 2019, because I believe and really feel impressed that it's also uh, going to be the theme for for Bridge Builders Community Church. It may not be for you personally, because I suggest that you do this this exercise, this spiritual exercise. It's really. Uh, it's really kind of unique, and it kind of gives you an insight to how you think and, and how God is thinking. But I really believe that this is probably one of the most important uh, sermons that I'm, I'm going to preach. It's, it's only like for a two-week mini-sermon uh, before we get into our, our next 
probably a very long series, sermon series on the gospel. We're going to spend a lot of time on the gospel in the coming months, probably. But in between, I, I really believe that God, that this is a kind of like a prophetic uh, sermon, if you would. And you, you can take it home, you can judge it, uh, ask God about it, I, I discern it. But I really do believe that this is probably one of the most important sermons up to this date that I ever will preach. I know that sounds heavy. I don't mean it to sound that heavy, but that's just the, the impression that I have when I was, was been preparing for this. And so this word that I got from, for the, my theme, it, I think is a, a very misunderstood word. And it's, and it's a word that people have thought about in a very tame and neat and tidy way, and it's anything but. This word is the word breakthrough. Breakthrough. The title of my sermon series is Breakthrough from Breakdown to Breakout. So there is something important about the word breakthrough. The word sounds really good, doesn't it? Breakthrough. I want breakthrough. I'm assuming you want breakthrough from what you maybe understand what that word means at this, at this moment. But what does breakthrough really look like? What does it really feel like? What does breakthrough really, really feel like? And probably more importantly than those questions, what does breakthrough cost? And maybe you just thought, what do you mean, Jay? You mean breakthrough is going to cost me something? Yeah. Real, powerful breakthrough is going to cost you something. The benefits of breakthrough are overwhelmingly huge. But it's going to cost as we, as we explore what this word breakthrough really, really means, which I think God wants us to understand, we could settle for something far less. This, this tame version that we might have, uh, idea of what breakthrough really means, we could settle for that and not become free. And I am tired of settling for something tame. I am tired of settling for something tame, neat, and tidy that I can control. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this moment, for this opportunity, for this insight into your heart, into your mind, into your spirit of, of how you think. Oh, we need your help this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Lead us into all truth this morning. We need you. We are desperate for you. We can't breathe. We can't fill our lungs with air, spiritually or physically, without you. So we need you to bring life and breathe life into us this morning. And so in order for that to happen, everything about us has to leave. And you fill us with yourself. Open up our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. Help us to hear your words. Help me to speak your words. 
And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If God does indeed crown our year with goodness, and that word crown is a symbol of authority. If God indeed crowns our year with goodness and uh, his paths, his ways are overflowing with provision and promise, then I think it's imperative of us to understand what he means about breakthrough. And so we're going to go through some definitions uh, that I think are going to help us. And then we're going to go to the story. So if you, you can go to 2 Kings chapter 5 right now and just get there. We're going to get to uh, there in just a moment. But I want to go through this because, see, breakthrough is part of a much larger equation. Uh, a, a much larger process. And it's a theme that's repeated time and time again in Scripture. Over and over again, the, this, this breakdown, this breakthrough, this breakout process, this equation is repeated over and over again throughout the Scriptures. Because it gives us insight into how human beings work, how we tick. So we need, we need to think about this process as we listen to this story we're going to get to in just a minute in Second Kings. Okay, I'm going to go through these definitions. I'm going to try to take my time with them, and we might not get through everything today, but that's okay. This is a mini-series. We're going to be all right. I use Webster's Dictionary, which may not seem like a spiritual choice. Let's talk about the word breakdown. Breakdown. This could be defined as a failure to function, to lose one's resolve, to give up, to fail in strength. Breakdown, lose one's resolve, the, the failure to function, to, to, to give in, to fail in strength. Breakdowns, be, they're full of that stuff. Sad, tragic, ugly fears and failures. They, they cause us to break up, fall apart at the seams. All those phrases that we can think of when people are hurting, you know, when they're losing control, you know, we say these things, but those are definitions that really give a picture of what a breakdown really is. We're going through stuff, tailspin, cracking up. We've all have been there. Maybe we're there right now, but we will be there again because we live in this fallen world and we can't help but be affected by it. And sometimes infected by it. So breakdowns are, they're just part of walking in this world. I mean, there, how many stories are there in the Bible about, about people with breakdowns? When they're just seemingly falling apart. Losing control. Failing in strength. And breakdowns, they require a breakthrough. And this is, this is really huge. You've got to see this. Too often, we, I think in the, especially in the American world, we have looked at the word breakthrough and we've looked at it from the other side. And we have made this thing so spiritually inept that we really don't understand what a breakthrough is. We don't understand what a breakthrough costs us. Now see, a breakdown costs us. Costs us dearly. Now a breakthrough will cost us too but in a much healthier and functional, healthier functional way. Listen to this definition. And you probably never knew that this was the definition of breakthrough. Maybe you did. Maybe you're smarter than me. Most of you are. 
an offensive military assault. Did you ever think that that was the first thing breakthrough was described as? An offensive military assault that penetrates and carries beyond a defensive line, a defensive enemy's line. That's huge. Think about that. That a breakthrough involves a military action. A focused, strategic attack. This is offensive. This is not defensive. A breakthrough is not a defensive position. It's an offensive action. Are you getting this? Are you getting excited yet? Because I am. A breakthrough involves an attack on any enemy that keeps us broken down. A breakthrough mode is transitional. It's meant, to, it's meant to move us out of a spiritual foxhole that we've been hiding in, that we've been hunkered down in, that we've, we've been afraid to move out of. And we don't just leave this foxhole, we're fiercely and intensely leaving it. This is a different mindset than I think I've ever heard breakthrough about. Because <laughs> people preach about it about the other side of breakthrough. And this process is hugely important. To engage in. It's, it's, it, you can't have a breakout without a breakthrough. It means going on the offensive with a mindset to take on the enemy on the front lines. We penetrate the enemy's position and we go beyond the barrier holding us captive. We head towards a battle for our freedom. We don't run away from it and we don't shy away from the battle for our freedom doesn't sound so neat and tidy, does it? We have to face this head on. A breakthrough is intense. There is nothing tame about going through a breakthrough. If we want to get out of the breakdown position, the thing that's holding us down, the thing that is, is forcing us under, the thing that's making us break apart, to come apart at the seams, we must have a breakthrough. And that involves us being engaged in a battle, a military assault against the enemy. I can't urge the feeling, I can't express the feeling that I'm getting when I talk about this and when I've been praying about this. We for far too long have stayed in that foxhole praying that the shelling would stop. Instead of going and taking out the guns. Far too long we've done this. I've done this. I am no longer satisfied hiding in that foxhole, praying that those guns would just stop, instead of being bold enough and attacking the enemy where he is. This is, this is what God is saying. This is what God is saying. We can no longer hold back, because breakthroughs lead us to breakouts. This is the moment that we're longing for, that freedom moment that we're longing for, that we're hungering for. But here's how the dictionary defines breakout. A violent or forceful separation from a restraining situation. I'm going to. A violent or forceful separation from a restraining situation. And listen to this. A sudden or smashing success. I want smashing success in my life this morning. I don't want ordinary success. I want to be forcefully and suddenly successful because I've taken the fight to the enemy. Is the enemy defeated? Yes. Is he? Yes. 
then why do we act like he is not? Why do we? Because we've been deceived and we believe something that we believe a lie. And those lies are powerful, certainly convincing. But if we want that breakout moment, that moment where we're in freedom, it's going to take a violent and forceful separation. Starting to think about breakthroughs a little bit differently. Breakthroughs are not easy. See, as we begin to, to go and dive into what the gospel really means for us, see, the gospel was the biggest assault that ever has been made for our freedom. God assaulted sin with the blood of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the biggest military exercise that has ever taken place in the universe. We lay down and surrender far too often. Far too often. No more. No more. Who doesn't want smashing success in their lives today? Second Samuel 5.20, this whole passage. Israel is being threatened by the Philistines, one of the countless times that they're being threatened. And David is wondering whether or not he should go into battle. So he prays, which is a great thing to do, of course. He prays and asks God what he should do. And God says, yes, go into battle against the Philistines. And don't worry about it. You're going to be victorious. David does this. He goes into battle and he is victorious and he and he calls this battlefield something pretty cool he says therefore the name of that place is called Baal Perazim and that means Lord of the breakthrough Micah 2.13 says this he who opens the breach goes up before them they break through and pass the gate going out by it their king passes on before them the Lord is at their head This is a God who wants us to break through for us and with us. And with us. He opens up the breach. They break through. God makes a way, but we're involved. We break through. We fight. We engage. We do what the Father says. We obey. And when he tells us to move, we move. And I believe he's telling us to move. Breakdown, breakthrough, breakout. This is not a passive fight. And too often we have treated it as that. I know it, sometimes it looks passive because, you know, in reality, like David, most of this battle is fought on our knees. We fight an unseen foe. We fight against princes and principalities. Ephesians 6, 12. Unseen and evil. We fight against this. And most of the battle is fought on our knees. Praying, fasting, waiting on God. But I want you to understand, when it tells us to wait on God, let me read that scripture real quick. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Waiting on God is not passive. It's never meant to be passive. Waiting on God is an intentional pursuit of his will. So that when he says move, we do When he tells us to wait, we do. But if we're not actively pursuing his heart, we'll never be able to get out of that foxhole. We'll hide. Because the enemy will seem too strong for us. And if that enemy is defeated, and he is, there's no reason to even have a foxhole to hide in. So we need to stop digging foxholes. There's no need for us to have one. There was never a need for us to have one. 
We wait. We pray. We fast. We seek God's heart, His will, His purposes. We do it with with a passionate intentionality of knowing what it is, knowing what His heart is, knowing what His will is, knowing what His passion, His passion is. And then when the Father says move, we do. This whole thing about going to all the world and make disciples, we've already been told to move. We are a people who are supposed to be in a constant state of movement. We've been called to a battle. We have never been recalled from that battle yet. Someday. Someday. But not this day. This day we fight for those who get those references. All right. Breakthroughs are faith in action. Breakthroughs are faith in action. That's, we, we can't sit back any longer. We can't sit on our hands anymore. We can't say, well, I'm just waiting on Jesus. Jesus has already told us to move out into the battle. Let's not wait any longer for our freedom. Second Kings chapter 5. It's a huge story here about a really interesting dude. Naaman. He is. This guy is cool. Let's start reading. Verse 1. Naaman, a commander of the army of the king of Syria, who was a great man with his master, and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of of valor, but he was a leper. I'm already learning something really important here. This guy is an awesome general. Wins lots of battles. So much so that his king holds him in, in high favor, and rightly so. Wouldn't you want a general that wins most of the battles, or all the battles? Of course. Are you going to favor that guy? Of course you are. So they give this wonderful opening introduction to this, to this man, this cool dude. Courageous. But he was a leper. Starting me to think, how many times did we let the word but define us? Or somebody else? Now, Sarah's word of encouragement today to forgive, not hold a score cars because we, we have the word but in our lives. You know, he's a really kind of cool dude, but, but we let that word but kind of negate everything that came before it. The only time I think but is a good thing is when it says but God. Because that doesn't negate what came before it. It explains. It defines it from God's perspective. But as human beings, we let that word but either define us or other people. And this is a, this is a huge but. No puns attended there. I mean, this is, this is huge. Mighty man. Brave. Courageous. Highly favored by the king. But he was a leper. Now, if you had leprosy in the Old Testament times, and even the New Testament times, you were probably kicked out of town. You were considered unclean. This man has kept his rank and his position, even though he was a leper. He kept his courage, even though he was a leper. This is, this is really kind of cool to read into a little bit. Just on this alone, this 
you know, he has a breakdown moment here. He, he needs to be cured. He wants to be cured from this leprosy. But it has not kept him from fighting. It has not kept him from his rank or his position. He has not let that but define who he is. Can you read into what I'm saying? Why do we say things like, I would trust God for this, but. I would believe God for this, but. All the excuses that we come up with to not break out of the situation that we're broken down in. And excuses are really convenient. They give us some place to hide. Like a foxhole. We're not meant to live a life of excuses. We're not meant to live a life of the buts describing who we are, defining who we are. We're supposed to live beyond those things. I love that Naaman does not let the fact that he was a leper, that he should be ostracized, he should be kept out of the community. He continues to fight for his king. For his king. He's deeply in a breakdown situation here. Nobody wants this disease. Nobody wants his condition. I'm sure it helps the fact that he's a very good general and he keeps on winning battles. Maybe if he didn't win battles, he would lose his rank and lose his position because he was a leopard. But But he keeps on going. I love this about this man so far. Now the Syrians were on one of the raids that carried off a little girl from the land of Israel and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were, the prof- were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. There's, there's something about Naaman being humble here too. That he would take instruction from a slave. Yeah. From a source that maybe... You know, those scorecards again. I love this about this man. So Naaman went in and told his lord, his king, and he said, and he thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel. Now, what did the servant girl tell him to do? to the prophet did she mention the king sometimes we go to the wrong sources with the wrong expectations <laughs> the wrong sources with the wrong expectations and he brought to the letter to the king of Israel which read when this letter reaches you you know that I have sent Naaman my servant that you might cure him of his leprosy and when the king of Israel read this he tore his clothes and said good thing he got more clothes uh, so he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and make alive? This man sends word to me to cure this man of leprosy. Only consider and see how he's seeking a quarrel with me. You know, the king of Israel freaks out, thinking that the king of Syria wants to start a war. He sends his best general to him and says, okay, cure him of leprosy. <clears throat> Pretty much the cancer of that day. The king of Israel said, what's going on here? He freaks out. Sometimes we... We go to the wrong sources with the wrong expectations. Instead of going to God first, following his instructions, 
and then staying there with God instead of leaving quickly when you don't get the answer right away. This is what I read into that. The king of Israel thinks that the king of Syria wants to start a fight with him. It's amazing how we react to the things and the situations that God gives us to work through. Here's another thing about this. The servant girl told Nahum that he should go to the prophet of Israel. Instead, he goes to the king. Maybe this was a formality, some kind of procedural thing. I, I don't know. We're not told here. But I know one thing. Sometimes we try to negotiate with God. If you do this, I'll do this. When you do this for me, I will do this. So we bring our gold, we bring our shekels of silver, and we bring changes of clothing, whatever it is that, that we're trying to bargain with God with. And we say, okay, we're going to do this, because if we do this, then you'll do this. No one in this building has done that. I understand that. <laughs> and no one preaching has ever done that either. You can't negotiate your way out of trouble, your way out of a breakdown. You have to fight through it. You have to fight through it. If we go with the wrong, to the wrong source with the wrong expectations, this is where disappointment grows into despair. Because you can't help but be disappointed. That's why we can't go to the wrong sources. We have to use discernment. Listen to what the word of the Lord is. Even, through, even though it might be through an unlikely source, like a slave girl. In verse 8, thankfully, Elijah, the, uh, the prophet, heard what was going on. And he sent a message to the king, basically saying, Why are you so afraid? Send a man to me so that he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So that he will know that he can hear God's voice. Doesn't matter what his breakdown is. Send him to me. He's going to hear God's voice. God's word. He'll know that God knows his need. We have no idea how Elijah knows that Nahum is in the, with the king, but tells him, come on down. So Nahum takes all his cavalry, all his horses, and all his men that he's brought with him, and goes to Elijah's house. He gets there, and instead of Elijah coming out, he sends someone else out. He says, tell Nahum, go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. Go dip yourself seven times in the river Jordan and your leprosy will be gone. You'll be cured. Sounds pretty simple. Sounds pretty straightforward. Doesn't sound that difficult. Naaman gets angry. And he went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out and <laughs> to me and stand and call about the name of the Lord and wave his hand over the place and cure Leper. Sometimes you can go to the right source with the wrong expectations and be disappointed. <laughs> Are not these rivers of Damascus where I'm from better than the waters of Israel? Do you sense a little bias here? There's a lot going on here. There's a cultural thing going on here. There's a pride issue now. Wait a minute. I've come all this way. The best you could do is send someone out to me instead of coming out yourself. Don't you realize who I am? I'm a mighty general. You can't come out yourself and, and talk to me about what I need to do. <laughs> Nahum is angry. What you step into matters. What you choose to step into matters. 
in life. You're stepping into something all the time. You're choosing to step into something all the time. It is our choice. What we don't get to do is choose the river. Get that? We don't get to choose the method that God wants to use to deliver us from a breakdown situation. We don't get to choose that river. God does. What we get to choose is whether or not we're going to step into it. See, I get, to, I get so tired when, when I don't realize the power of my choice and the fruit that it produces. I get so tired when, I, when that, those things frustrate me and I wonder why things are going a certain way when I realize I didn't step into the river that God had asked me to step into. And I get frustrated with him. I get angry with him because he, it, it seemed too simple or, or it wasn't the way I wanted it done or the timing that I wanted it done. It wasn't the river I wanted to jump into. I wanted to jump in this river. It's closer to home. Closer to my comfort zone. Know that word? Know what your comfort zone is? It's your foxhole. It's where you hide. It's where I hide. I don't hide in your foxhole. I hide in my own. (laughs) But if you had a better one than me, I would hide in it. (laughs) We don't get to pick the river that God asks us to step into in order to be healed, in order to be free, in order to be delivered. Because this, this is this very strange fact. Maybe it's not strange to you, but it's very strange to me that I don't know what's best for me. I really don't. I think I do. That's why I try to negotiate those things with God. God, if you do it this way, man, it's easy for me to line up and follow you. I really don't know what's best for me. See, someone asked me the other day, you know, do I think 2019 will be a good year? My answer was, was pretty simple, but it's still kind of kicking around in my brain a little bit. But this was my answer. I always believe that the new year is going to be a good year. Because God is good. Even though the year might not be. See, my... Whatever breakdown that I'm experiencing, that's hard and difficult and full of that stuff, sad, tragic, ugly, fears, and failures, whatever that breakdown is doing to me is motivating me for breaking through that military, forceful, violent assault against the enemy. So if God tells me to jump into a river that I'm not exactly pleased about, I'm going to jump into that river because he is good. More than I want my deliverance, I want to be obedient. Oh, I want to be delivered from the things I pray about. Of course I do. There's things in my life that that I want to be free of. Of course I do. But I no longer want to look at a breakthrough is this passive resignation to, to whatever's going on in my life and, you know, God's going to take care of it sometime. Really? That's all I got the hope? That God's going to take care of this 
Sometime. Is that the kind of life you want to live on this planet? Kind of hanging on by pinky? Or do you want to be forcefully engaged in the battle for your freedom or for other people's freedom? This is what we're called to. This is what we've been set free for. Next week, we're going to go into, after he gets angry, what his response is. But could we just read 2 Kings 5 this coming week? Dive into it. Pick everything from its bones. You know, ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate it for you. And maybe that river that God is asking you to step into, that you've been a little bit angry about, frustrated about, not wanting to, you will boldly dip yourself as many times as God tells you to, to that river, so that you will become free from whatever you need to be from, become free from. Amen to that? Amen to that? You know, we don't get to choose the river. We don't get to choose the time. We don't get to choose the season. But we do get to choose whether or not we're going to be obedient or not. We do get to choose whether or not we're going to be free or not.